0: Good morning. How's everybody today? Good to see you. Welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here. We welcome both of our campuses and those that are watching online. We like to say around here that North Star is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. If you believe that, just give me a hearty amen like practice for the sermon. All right, good. It's gonna be a good day. Well, our vision at North Star Church is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. And so we say that a lot because we want you to buy into that and we want you to learn that and, um, and do that. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. We have a Several mission opportunities coming up in the next uh, year, and uh, one we're going to be having an informational meeting today. It was in 1988. That was a long time ago. Some of you were not born then, and I get that, and that makes me real, really feel old. But in 1990, excuse me, in 1988, I received a, a letter in an envelope with a stamp on it. That's kind of rare, isn't it? It wasn't a text or an email, but I got a letter from a guy that I did not know, had never met, and he said, would you answer the Macedonian call, which is New Testament, would you answer the Macedonian call to the thousand smoke of the Oguzan jungle? I had heard of the Macedonian call in in the New Testament, but I never heard of the Oguzan jungle. Would you answer the Macedonian call of the thousand smoke of the Agusan jungle? Thousand smoke is a in the Philippines. Is, Agusan is a region where people live. This particular guy was living, and the thousand smoke represents when you travel through the Philippines. It's so much of the Philippines is mountainous, and you'll see in the distance little puffs of smoke, just everywhere. And every time you see smoke like that, which is often and uh, a lot, it's, it's where somebody's living. It's a, it's a hut. It's a, it's a, a house. And uh, they're cooking. And so I did answer that call in 1988, and I've been going back to the Philippines ever since. Um, I think I've been 36 or 38 times. We're gonna be going to be going to a couple of different places that are special to our heart. One is Pastor Lim well, which is an incredible church planner. And then we'll be also going to, to minister with Pastor Ray Manolo. And Pastor Ray is the pastor of the North Star Church. Yep, it's the same one. It's the same uh, because of North Star Church. And, and we're going to be doing door to, to door and inviting people, trying to strengthen his church there. Not only North Star Church, but Agape Church. And we'll be doing some crusades, uh, doing other kind of ministry with the mountain people. And we're really excited about this trip and about what God has in store for us. I'm excited about all of the trips that our church takes, And I don't have time to talk about all of those today. But today specifically, we're having an information meeting uh, just to give you some information about... The Philippine mission trip coming up late January. So it'll be at 1230 at the Saltillo campus. And if you're coming from the Tiflo campus, don't get a ticket, okay? Trying to get here, but we want you you to come church-wide to this information meeting. Speaking of missions, one of the ways, if you're new to North Star, you may not have read or heard this, but one of the ways that we give at North Star it's what we did a few minutes ago, and that is taking up our tithes and offerings. But in addition to that, we have a program or a ministry or a, 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 what we call faith commitment giving that actually supports almost 30 different ministries that are not even in our budget. For example, we, our faith commitment giving, gift of any size, and you can uh, give online or give at the kiosk or uh, use text to, uh, giving, um, is A21, which is uh, Christine Kane's ministry to the those that ha- had been involved in sex trafficking. Another one is International Justice Mission, and that is the legal side of that. Another is Parkgate and First Choice, which are, Crisis Pregnancy Centers and, and many, many others. Like I said, I think it's 28 or 29 that when, when we give not equal gifts because some can give more than others, we get that, but an equal sacrifice, investing in that ministry. I'm telling you, by doing that, you are, you are being used as a vessel for the Lord God. Amen? Amen. Are you glad you came today? Give God another praise clap this service. All right. We have been in a series called Even Though. Last week we looked at Even Though We Have Pain and Problems, I'm going to Trust God. We looked at the life of Job and, and we learned that your pain will help you to become more like Jesus. Your pain will draw you closer to God. Your pain will draw others closer to God. And, and the pain and problems that we have in this life, quite frankly, remind us that, that we're not meant for here. We're here. Look around. We're here. But we're not meant for here. We were created for eternity. And so today, I'm excited about this message. It's the last installment in this series called Even Though, and I'm going to talk about today, even though I can't see it, I'm going to trust God. And uh, it's, it's an interesting passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 15. It's the first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 15. I'm going to begin to read in verse number 1, Genesis 15, verse 1. If you would stand, we don't do this every week, but I want to do it today. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word? Genesis 15, beginning with verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if uh, indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Pray with me. Father, thank you. For the word, and thank you that uh, it, it is our instruction manual. It is the inspired word of God for us. And God, we pray today that you'll speak through this time in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, "Amen." You may be seated. The Bible says that that He took him outside. He took him outside. Today, I want to talk about how God wants to take us outside of our proverbial tent into the destiny and blessings that God has for us. He took him outside. When I was a kid growing up, uh, you didn't have to take me outside. The trouble my parents had was getting me on the inside. On the inside... Uh, we had three stations, uh, uh One was an educational station, and uh, the other two, Tupelo and Columbus, if the pole was turned exactly right. Can I get a witness to that? And so, uh, there wasn't a lot to do on the inside. I could have read, and reading is good, and reading is important. I'm an advocate of reading. I just didn't read. Back then I didn't read. It wasn't that I could not read. I could read. I just was never motivated. Uh, My mother would tell you I had issues, and uh, so I didn't read a lot. I spent the majority of my childhood on the outside. We lived on a farm. Uh, We lived out in the country. We had horses and cattle. We had a horse named Toby, he was a, a solid white horse. I would get on Toby without a saddle and without a bridle and just hold on to his mane and we would take off and go across the 40. Uh, I was bad. I, I was bad. I mean, I, I, I looked the part back then too. And so I don't know what that meant. Uh, I was always on the outside, sometimes getting trouble on the outside. The challenge of my parents was not getting me to go on the outside, but to, to get me to come on the inside. The, I think for the most part, the, the, the uh, paradigm has shifted, and most parents have trouble getting their kids to go outside. There's so much on the inside. I mean, back then, we had a phone phone that was mounted to the wall, screwed to the wall, with a long cord. And we thought we were uptown when we got an an extra long cord. But it was strapped to the phone. It was strapped to the phone. Uh, Now, parents contend with their kids staying on the phone, staying on uh, Messenger or social media, and staying on, oh Lord help us Jesus, video games. Right? Right? And so, I believe, just as it is difficult today to get kids to go outside, sometimes we, as followers of Jesus Christ, find ourselves in the comfort of the inside, the comfort of our tent. Now, while I believe that God never changes I believe that there should be a, a time of changing that occurs within us. We go through seasons in our lives. Some of you are going through seasons of life right now that I'm about to describe. Sometimes we go through seasons of our lives where we are more apt to pursue things and more apt to get involved in things and and more. Uh, likely to, to uh, explore things on the outside. I hope that that never stops in me. I, I remember going to, to Cuba and I had a sense of ex- exploration. I had a sense of being daring and being exciting when I stood on a park bench on the University of Havana and preached the gospel message to all the students that were around. I mean, there are seasons in our lives I'm not saying I wouldn't still do that. But there are seasons in our lives that we're more likely to go pursuing and exploring. And then what happens in life, the older you get, and it's not necessarily about your age, but about your surroundings sometimes, what happens sometimes is that we get content with the inside. Let's go outside. No, I'm I'm good. I'm good. You want me to go where? No, I think I'll just stay here. Mission trip to the Philippines? Nah, not not me. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good right here on the inside. Teach what? Be involved in what? No, I'm good. Thanks, though. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks for asking. Yeah, thanks. And I think sometimes that we, we find ourselves confined. In our own space rather than, uh, listen, it's not just our own space, but it's our own uh, habits and our own. uh, Anybody, you can raise your hand, both campuses. This isn't gonna embarrass you. Anybody ever likes, not all the time, just sometimes. So I'm qualifying it. Does anybody ever like setting your ways? Just let me see some hands. You ever get set in your way? Some are telling the truth and some are not. Anyway, sometimes we get set in our ways and rather than step out of the box in obedience, in faith, to what God is calling us to do, sometimes we stay in the tent. Now, we read from Genesis chapter 15. Let me rewind just a little bit to chapter 12 there were three different times that god spoke or gave a message to abram one was in genesis chapter 12 god said uh, look abram said i'm gonna make your name great really let's go god I want you to leave here and go there. Where are we going? I'm not telling you. But I'm going to make your name great. The second one is in Genesis chapter 13. God comes again to Abram. And he says, Abram, your descendants are going to be like the sands of the sea and the dust of the earth. Really. Really. Okay, And then the third time was in Genesis chapter 15 when we just read when God said to Abraham, Abram he wasn't Abraham yet he said to Abram he said not only am I going to make your name great and I'm illustrating it these three ways your descendants are going to be like the, the dust of the earth furthermore chapter 15 Abram Your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. If you're taking notes, number one, I want you to remember or take down Abram's short-sightedness in his tent. And while you're writing that down, I'm telling you that sometimes when we get in a comfortable place, even though God is speaking to us, We still don't adventure out into be obedient to what God is calling us. Hey, I do a lot of good. Hey, I'm glad. But I'm asking you, are you doing that specific thing that God has touched your heart, is tugging at the strings of your heart to do? Maybe it's a promise that God has made to you and you feel like, look, man, uh, I'm in a waiting room here. God has got me waiting online. You see, from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 15 was approximately a decade or more from the first time that God entered into a covenant with Abraham with Abram till the time that in 15 that he comes and says that it says he took him outside. Said, your descendants are going to be like the, the stars of the sea. Have you ever sensed this? This is what I know. When we have a sense that God wants to do big things, but what God is saying and what God is doing seems different. Let me just word it maybe a little bit different. We have an idea or a sense that God is up to something, that God is doing really big things, but what he's saying to us and what he is doing through us look totally different. Okay, so the life of Abram God told him, Your descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth. Yeah, right. We can't even have children, we have no kids. Uh, in chapter uh, 12, Abram was around 75, and they, they had no son. And to the point that he, we read, said, I'm going to have to let somebody else be my heir. Hey, I'm glad to do this, God. Really, don't, don't take this as ingratitude, but uh, we, we ain't got no kids. And so what you're saying to me, I'm with you, God. But what you're saying to me doesn't look like it's gonna happen. So we're gonna use this child, this boy, as an heir. And so Abram felt in the tent, he felt like God had him waited, waiting, waiting online. And maybe you're listening today, and somehow, some way. Some form or fashion, you feel the same way. Uh, I've been single, and God, I, I'm, I'm believing that you want me to, to have a spouse, but look, I feel like I'm, I'm in the waiting room of life. Or maybe you're praying for uh, a son or a daughter. That maybe has gone the wrong direction and it's, it's not happening like you want it to happen. And you feel like God has you waiting online and not taking you where He really wants to take you. And so, in the life of Abram, notice in verse 2 that he says, but Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of, of Damascus. So, first... Abram's short-sightedness in the, in the tent. And again, if you didn't get this one down, sometimes we're dreaming for what God really wants. We're dreaming for the, the big things. But it doesn't look like it's ever come to pass. So what does Abram do? Well, he, he complains before the Lord. Verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This, well, he complains in verse 3. It's going to, verse 2, it's going to have to be Eliezer. Because we're, we have no children. And we're, by the way, God, if you haven't noticed, we're beyond uh, childbearing years. Verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son. He had already promised him this. In chapter 12, in chapter 13, and now in chapter 15, your son, flesh and blood, will be your heir. Complain, complain, complain. Sometimes our complaints are disguised in our prayer request. And so he says, God, I can't do it. It ain't going to happen. This is what I know. If you're a a complainer, you know who you are. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Complaining takes all of the energy that you have in criticizing what is before you, what you are facing, and what you're left with is no energy in which you can dream for something more. So we're chronic complainers and God this, God, oh God this hey, did you hear about him? And you're always complaining. And what that does, it zaps you of the energy that God has put in you to dream. Hey, let me just talk to somebody who needs to hear this. Get off of the negative. You're always focused on the negative. Ooh, he's talking to me. You've been reading my emails. I I haven't. I just know. Sometimes, listen, give give the world a break. And quit focusing always on what's wrong with things and start looking at what could be if you would spend your energy. Come on. The reality is if if some people spend their energy on the things of God and eternity rather than what somebody said or what somebody did or what somebody's doing, how much greater... I know I'm talking to you. How much greater could the kingdom of God be because you personally got involved and got outside of your proverbial tent and you listened to what God wanted you to do and how you can make a difference in eternity if you would invest your energy in those things? Am I talking to anybody today? So in in verse 5, He took him outside and said, look up at the skies and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Which leads me to the second thing. God took him outside. God took him outside the tent. uh, There's some reason... That scripture says it this way, mainly because that's what God wanted to be said. God took him outside. But I got fascinated with that, I got focused on that, and I thought, God took him outside. How did God take him outside? Well, God's God, and God could do that any way he saw fit, right? I have my ideas of how God did it, though. Abram, yes, God. And God picked him up by the nap of the neck and took him outside. Now, I don't know if that's how it happened. I just like to think that's how it happened. I'll ask him when we get there. All I know is it says God took him outside. He could have said, hey, Abram, come here. I want to show you something outside. Now, God is an awesome God. I'm sure he said it in the most cool way he could have said it. Hey, April, come here. I'll show you something. I'll show you something. Come here. I like to think God took him outside. Regardless, God took him outside and he said, look up and count the stars. I read that with not, God's not sarcastic, but I read that with a little God attitude. Look up there and, and count the stars if you can. <laughs> if you can. You can't. Because I made them, I don't know how many, you can't count them, but that's how many descendants that you are gone, going to have. So I thought about this God took him outside. He was in the tent, God took him outside. All these years that passed, God took him outside. Some of you who are listening today at our campuses and some that are listening online, you might be, I'm just saying, you might be in a tent. Ask yourself this question or, or listen to this statement. I might be in a tent. If I spend all my time, or if I find myself complaining to others a lot. The one who thinks that they don't need that one is probably the one who needs it the worst. Trust me. I might be in a tent if I spend my time complaining to other people a lot. (laughs) I could spend the rest of the message on that because uh, if you're always complaining, you're wasting that energy of dreaming for something bigger and trust me, they don't want to hear you complaining to them. It may make you feel better, but it, it, it doesn't help their day. Here's Abram, and he's complaining, God, I hear you. You want me to do this, but I figured it out because it it ain't going to happen. Because Sarah and I, you know, I might be in a tent if I spend my time complaining to other people a lot. Second, you might be in a tent if you rarely consider eternity. You might be in a tent today, meaning you have secluded yourself from the place that God wants you. You might be in a tent if you rarely consider eternity. God was trying to drive home to Abram. Look, man, you're going to be like, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the skies. Number three, we might be in a tent if we think that we can pull, out, pull off this life on our own. You might, we might be in a tent if we think that, hey, I can make this happen. Now, are we a self-sufficient, man's man, woman's woman, uh, self-made man kind of society? I worked hard, I had a bad background, I worked hard and I pressed through it. Well, good for you. But I'm telling you, anything with significance and eternal value, you are not going to pull off on your own. And here's a fourth one that's not even on the screen. You might be in clear skies if you realize you can't handle this thing on your own. You might have... Stepped out of the proverbial tent into the outside. In other words, out of humanity into where God wants you if you realize you can't do this on your own. I'm afraid that in our culture, our culture says, look, just take it easy. You don't have to dream big. Just be who you are. Just be yourself. It's okay if it's small. And our society or our culture has a way of saying, just pull back a little bit. Just pull back. It's okay. But God has a place for us, and God has a destiny for us. And we need to be obedient to that call. God took him. I like that. God took him outside. Now in verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He credited it to him as righteousness. You see what's happening now in Scripture. Everything that's happened up until this point is of importance and of great significance. But now, the camera pans out. It pans out a little bit. And the Bible says God credited it to him as righteousness. Earlier, he said, O sovereign Lord, which by the way was the first time that appeared in Scripture. But now, God credited Abram for righteousness. Now it's two chapters later before his name is changed from Abram to Abraham. Two chapters later, you can find it. But he is the first that received the righteousness of God not based on what he had done but based on what God had done. You see what we see here is Abram's new found faith. He realized God in the tent of my humanity, I cannot do it. In the tent of my humanity, I cannot save, I can't even uh, produce an air. In the tent of my humanity, God took him out and showed him that, that if we will step into what God has prepared for us, that we can become who he created us to become. So Abram became the father of our faith. Did you hear me? If you grew up in, if you're of a certain younger age and you grew up in vacation Bible school, you sang that song, Father Abraham, I'm not fixing to sing it by the way, had many sons, many sons had father Abraham and I'm one of them and so are you and I think it says uh, so let's just praise the Lord Abraham the father of our faith you can ask people all across our auditoriums today and many people would tell you hey you know there was a time a point in my life that I, I came to the point that I realized that God did for me what I cannot do for myself. Abraham would tell you, hey, look, God did for me what we couldn't do. And he gave me a son. But you can talk to people who say, God did for me what I could not do, and that saved myself. And God took me and showed me life Eternal through Jesus Christ. You talk to people across these rooms and say, I'm saved and on my way to heaven. But I got to a point spiritually. Hey, this, this is describing somebody that's listening to me. But I got to a point spiritually that I got sluggish, Filled with mediocrity, uh, casual about my faith, slack in my Christianity. And I like, I just went back, kind of got where it was comfortable. God still knows me. I still know him. I'm good. Come out, get involved. I'm good. I'm good right here. And so today, this is what I believe. That there are those that have never met Christ who today need to take hold of what God provided for us at the cross. Put our trust in Jesus Christ as the only way that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He will save you and give you life eternal. For others, it would be to say, God, you've never left me, but I've like, you know, grown cold. I want to recommit my life, my faith to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. and I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you would take these closing moments and use them for your glory. Maybe you realize today that you've never been born again. But you want to be? Well, I'm just going to tell you, the Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, doesn't say could be saved, might be saved, will be saved, shall be saved. It's putting your trust, it's, it's from your heart. It's not just repeating words. You can articulate it through words, but it's not repeating words. It's, it's, it's faith and repentance from your heart. You could say something like this. Dear God, today, I realize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. God, today, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, past, present, and future. He died, shed innocent blood, and was buried, and he rose again on the third day. Today, I believe that, and I repent. I turn from my sins, and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart be my Lord and Savior I put my trust in you maybe as a Christ follower today you say God today I want to be right with you I want to step into the destiny the purpose that you have for my life and so today I repent I turn from this way of living and I turn to you I I repent of this attitude I repent repent of this outlook. God, I want my life to count eternally. I'm going to ask that everyone please stand with me at both campuses. I want to pray over you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can come together and just laugh and study, get serious. But God, hear from you and and become everything you want us to become. Thank you, God, for meeting us here today. And God, thank you that for the worship that we've had at both of our campuses. And God, for these closing few minutes that we have together, help us to just let the Holy Spirit help us not to just rush out, but God, to, to really engage in worship, continue... God, to to speak to our hearts as we wrap up. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name.